So let's be real. Home is the place where all of the beautiful goodness Christ taught crashes headfirst into the ugly brick wall that is real life. But this is also where it starts to really matter. This is where we equip ourselves and our family with all of the tools, skills, and whatchamacallits vital to succeed in Christ. Join us in our journey to find light, positivity, and specific practical ways to make our homes little outposts of heaven so we can better brighten wherever we end up wandering. Hello, welcome to another episode of Outposts of Heaven, the podcast. This we is... are glad you're here. Yes, we are. This is Emily, <laughs> and I'm here with Andrew, as always. Yep, that's me. And my voice feels very scratchy. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) She's been yelling at me, guys. No, my voice is just very scratchy today, so I apologize We had a cleaning inspection at the house, and I did not do a good enough job of cleaning, so Emily's been yelling her head off. My wife voice came out. All day. Her Wembley voice. No, that's not a thing, you guys. I did not (laughs) yell. She didn't yell. She's just, I don't know. What's wrong with your voice, hon? Huh? We had a youth activity thing today, and we had to, like, yell so people could hear us. It was loud. I wasn't yelling. I was talking normal. Well, no, I wasn't. It sounded normal, (laughs) but I must have been yelling because (laughs) now my voice is gone. Anyway, so, yeah, we're super happy you're here. For those of you who are joining us for the first time, this is Outpost of Heaven, the podcast. Our goal is to just not, we're not experts. We're just here to talk about our experience in applying the gospel of Jesus Christ in our everyday lives. Um, because sometimes we get caught up in the kind of, I don't know, 30,000 view of the gospel, which is really important to take that view. Uh, but when you're in the trenches, sometimes it's a little more difficult to understand what Jesus was talking about. And so we're kind of just sharing our journey and figuring that out. And we bring on guests and whatnot. Today's episode is just the two of us. So you have to listen to me. You get to listen to Emily. <laughs> I like how you said in the trenches because... I hear that phrase a lot from all the mommy podcasts I listen to. They always talk about, like, motherhood in the trenches. But I've never actually heard it, like, from a man's perspective. Well, in the trenches, like, like I I don't want to step on any women's toes. Like, that's kind of a man thing. Well, no, I understand. Right. Like, that's yeah, like but I never really heard it expressed that way about, like, maybe, like, young parenthood or something. Like, oh, yeah. It's definitely like, where we're at, I never... Thought a bit, thought of it from a man's perspective. So yeah. that's really cool. You know, trenches. It's interesting. We can go on with a little diatribe about this because we should have a, a short episode today. Um, trenches are like some of the most is like the most grueling way to fight a war. Oh, I know. Yeah. So do you know about you know like about yeah. trench warfare and everything? Yeah. So you don't know like you have like huge gaps in your history <laughs> knowledge, but you know about trench warfare. Of yeah. World well, War I. I think you've explained it to me. Oh, okay. So. Well, it's super fascinating. Okay. I also read, I'm listening to a podcast right now on Roman history. (laughs) You guys, he listens to the most random (laughs) podcast. He's like, this episode is three hours long (laughs) about like really, really random Roman facts. The Gaelic invade or the (laughs) Roman invasion of Gaul. Anyway. uh, So like one of the first episodes of trench warfare was actually fought by the Romans. And so... Like, it was fought during the Roman Civil War where Caesar, I think he was fighting Pompey, and he go, went to this island, or like, I think it was in Greece, and he like, tried to surround Pompey, but um, he his force, Caesar's forces weren't as strong, so he built a wall, and then Pompey saw what Caesar was doing, so Pompey built a wall, and then they had, like, this no man's land in between. And so it was, like, the first instance of kind of, like, trench like warfare. Trench, yeah. 
um, because they would jump over the wall and run at each other's wall and then get repelled back and then they have to go back and forth, just like the trench warfare of World War, World War One. Mm-hmm. And it's just fascinating because that, that was very different from the tactics of, of the day. And it was just a grueling, grueling way to fight fight a war. Yikes. Because it was super long and you couldn't like just win. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it took a lot more effort. And the way that they usually broke through trenches or in the case of the Romans was the wall, um, which kind of acted like their analog of a trench was getting spies and getting like secret intel about what the other guy was doing. And so if you're looking at this from like a gospel perspective, our secret intel is uh, the scriptures, right? And so mm-hmm. we have the scriptures to kind of tell us like Satan sucks and this is how he sucks. <laughs> and these are the th- ways that he sucks and the things that he likes to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so That's if we do that, we can like get into the mind of, we can understand like the weak points of the wall or of the trenches of our enemy so that we can focus our efforts there and overrun their position you have a very fascinating brain thank you <laughs> i love you that is emily's way of saying <laughs> i find this conversation boring and we're gonna move on no. <laughs> no. okay so we have a kind of fun different um podcast today yeah we've never done anything like this before but i'll just give you a little bit of background so me and the kids go to the library about once a week and I always expected like my motherhood of going to the library with the kids to look like, yay, everyone's having a great time. We're going to be there for a few hours. We'll do the craft. We'll read books together. We'll do story time. Everyone will love it. And I took the kids to the library the first time this year. And it was, I think it was actually after COVID. Um, but it was nothing like that. Absolutely not. We like because of COVID, like we didn't have the craft and everyone was wearing masks and really there was nobody there and we didn't have a story time. And, um, the kids just wanted to run around and scream and it just like did not go according to plan. And I was incredibly devastated and disappointed in like my crushed expectation, I guess. Like anyways, but it just kind of turned into something else. So now our library experience looks a little bit more like this. We go to the library and we're there for about three minutes. And the kids actually love it like that. And I'm okay with that because they that's the way that they are handling the library. And that's the way that they're liking it. So um, we... Wow, did you hear that thunder? I don't know if the mic picked it up. Oh, okay. (laughs) Well, if it didn't, that's awkward. But that was Big Thunder. Um, Anyways, so we pick out uh, about four books each, the kids do. And um, it's a really quick, they basically just grab the first four that they see. And then I just kind of check for length and um, content to see if it's age appropriate and stuff. I don't really care to read it like a chapter book to Ruth and she's not going to sit through that. Um, so yeah, so I just kind of scan it for length and content. Um, and then we get out, we get in, we get out. Um, so this past time Hiram picked a book called the tallest of smalls by Max Lucado. And I hope I'm saying that last name, right? Um, but I, 
I just kind of flipped through it real quick, didn't really read anything of it, and we put it in our basket, and we left, and then I got home, and we read it, and I cried. Guys, it's so good, and apparently this author is um, amazing, because... <laughs> apparently no, I mean, he's amazing. I mean, I love this book, but um, after I shared it on our Instagram last week, everyone was like, he's an amazing Christian author, like, he has so many great books, um, so I really want to find some more of his books. Is that rain? Yeah, that's rain. Wow. I thought our um, AC was on. No, it's crazy rain. So if you can hear that, I apologize. But it sounds wonderful. It's going to be nice to fall asleep to that. So anyway, Max Lucado. <laughs> yes, Max Lucado. Um, so the book's called The Tallest of Smalls. And for today's episode, we just thought that we would kind of run through a little bit about what it's about and talk about some messages that we Yeah, cause it, it, and it also kind of stirred... Or can you say stirred a conversation or started a conversation, yeah. inspired a conversation between the two of us mm-hmm. that I think was beneficial for where we're at personally. So the book kind of has like a, a Whoville kind of feel to it. Um, mm-hmm. But it's about this place called Stiltsville, right? Am I saying that right? Mm-hmm. Stiltsville. Um, and the whole society is built around this idea that the cool people get to wear or walk around on stilts starting at six o'clock in the evening so at six o'clock they give new people stilts mm-hmm. so it's like everybody gathers at six o'clock to see who gets to wear stilts mm-hmm. and if you're cool then you get to wear them um also i just would love to read this book to you guys but it's probably like copyright something or other. right but we probably can read excerpts but Don't we're gonna read a little tiny bits of it right so, so it's following this the the this one boy i don't remember his name ollie ollie so ollie's a little boy who's like not cool right he has patches in his pants and funky hair and he's probably a redhead Yep, he's a redhead. Yep. <laughs> like how it's just like the stereotype. I wonder how redheads got such a bad reputation. No, that's sad. Anyway, so yeah, so Ollie has um, like bad clothes and he's just kind of raggedy redhead and his socks never matched. My socks never match though, and I don't think I'm. Maybe I am an outcast and I just don't realize it. <laughs> no, but, you're fine. So it's about him. I know he always wants to wear stilts, but because he's not cool, he never gets picked to wear stilts. So, like, primarily the cool people get picked to wear stilts, and, like, the stilts are, like, a symbol for how cool you are. Mm-hmm. But then one day, he does get picked. Da-da-da! Um, and what he says... Wait, let me see. Okay. So, I'm just going to read a little bit a few times. <laughs> um, it says... And one night, to Ollie's surprise, they did. They did pick him. You're cool, they declared. Hip, hip, hooray. Come to the front for today is your day to join the classy and sassy and move up the ladder. When they lifted him up, he knew that he mattered. I think this is so interesting that um, we look at this and think, oh, this is silly because it's just stilts, right? Like, why would being on stilts be, like, a cool thing? Mm-hmm. But it's actually a, a really cool philosophical and literary tool to pick absurd situations or use absurd situations to uh, convey moral realities and moral lessons because when you go into if you're given like a real world situation you come into it with all of your your existing um, dispositions 
and like your existing assumptions. Uh, but then when you're given a, a situation that's so weird that you don't have any existing assumptions, you're able to kind of like separate yourself from those mm-hmm. and look at it from like your base moral sense. Right. So for us as readers, it's obvious that like, well, that, this is silly. He shouldn't be placing his value on this. But when it says when they lifted him up, he knew that he mattered. It's like he put all of his worth and his um, his value into this idea of stilts and what people think of him and that he was chosen by them. Mm-hmm. So Do you remember the, um, there was a Russian author who did this? We read him in our literature courses. I think it was Bulgakov, Bulgakov or Bulgakov, Bulgakov. Oh, man, I can't remember. Okay, yeah. You're like a... The dog one? Yes, the Part of a dog. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. He did, like, he, he used this kind of style where he like, picked something. No one cares about this. I'm so sorry. But, <laughs> yeah, I mean, think about in, in our lives uh, what kind of random status symbols there are. Um, I remember in middle school it was always like Hollister jeans. Hollister jeans? I get that. It was like any of them, like the Hollister, Abercrombie. Yeah, American, American Eagle. American Eagle. Aeropostale is like, like very you're like much your like brand level. clothing. Yeah, brand clothing in middle school and high school. It was right. like, <gasps> she must be cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, but I think this is interesting. You can probably see where all this is going, but um, think about in our lives, in every single. Um, do you want to talk about hierarchies right now or sure. no? Or do you want to finish the book? Well, let's then... just finish the story. Okay, we'll go through the book and then we'll come back and we'll do some analysis. Let's do that. Of why we liked it. Okay, so he got his stilts, and immediately it says he looked down from above, he looked down his nose. Yes, at the common, the plain, yes, he smirked as he rose. So I thought it was so fascinating that as soon as he got his stilts, he became just like the ones that were snubbing him. Mm-hmm. Isn't that crazy? But that's yeah. exactly what we do. It's like once we feel like we belong to the cool people, it's like, well, that means that I don't belong with you guys. Yeah. Like, but it's so sad. Oh, man. Yeah. Yep. Anyways, so he gets up to the top of the stilts, and um, his fun doesn't last because all the birds land on him, and then he falls. Um, and everybody laughs at him, and nobody is there to save him. Like, all the people that he thought he was friends with now that he was cool, like, they just left him, and they took his stilts away. Yeah, and this is, um, so these two pages that we're about to read real quick, this is where Emily, like, started to cry because it was really unexpected. Yeah, I I mean, I just like, oh, this is a cute story. Yeah. And then suddenly Jesus is there, and yeah. you're like, what? <laughs> Jesus, what? in a book? This is so cool. When the gang of the cool in the jilt of all of all jilts didn't offer to help to offer help to Ollie after he fell, they just took his stilts, and there Ollie sat. He might not have moved, might have sat there and cried, except for the touch he felt on his side. And there's, like, Jesus' hand is peeking across the page to put, like, his hand on Ollie's shoulder. It's so cute! You guys, I cried. And Hiram was like, this is a good book, but why are you crying? (laughs) (laughs) Um, So gentle, so caring that he looked up to see, Jesus smiled down and say, Ollie, come walk with me. Keep your feet on the ground, refuse to be stilted, choose low over high, leave the system tip-tilted. And then it talks about how he, like, the Lord made Ollie exactly the way he was meant to be made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so sweet. Um, and then on the last little page, it says, um, 
always saying, I may not be much, the smallest of smalls, but since Jesus loves me, I'm the tallest of talls. And I just loved this book. I thought, what a great lesson to teach the kids that it really doesn't matter what other people think of you. Like, Jesus is the opinion, Jesus has the opinion that you should care about the most. Yeah, yeah. I love that. And I think it gets to a deeper issue that we were talking about today. Um, I think sometimes when we, as Christians, we talk about like not... Um, not comparing ourselves to others or not finding our value. Um, yeah, I guess really primarily not comparing ourselves to others. Um, we kind of set ourselves up or set ourselves unrealistic expectations. Because we're always going to compare. Right. And I think... I that, don't think anybody's perfect at that. And that's... Uh, this is a biological thing. So this is not me... Um, it's not my opinion. Like this mm-hmm. is like studies have shown this, mm-hmm. that we're biologically hardwired to be hierarchical beings. Like we exist in the, the way we, we make sense of the world around us is through hierarchies. Right. And so we, we say, okay, so there are whatever group we're in, we say, okay, there are like, there's a hierarchy. These are the things that this hierarchy values. And here's where I'm at in this hierarchy. Mm-hmm. It's not something we do consciously at least not all the time but it's something that is on our mind like or on the back in the back of our, our, yeah, our brain our brain subconsciously have to go through that yeah. because if you let me put it this way if you don't have a hierarchy you don't know what you should be doing so we use mm-hmm. hierarchies to determine what we do next right right because like uh, imagine if you didn't have a hierarchy at all and you were just like on a desert island you had no one to compare yourself, like compare yourself to. How would you know? What does it mean to be physically fit? Like, what does it mean to um, take care of yourself? Like, what does it mean to look good? Or how should I improve? Or what am I doing well? Right. Like, and so you, you have to have hierarchies, because hierarchies help you prov- understand value and mm-hmm. decide what goes where and why you should be doing things. Mm-hmm. Right. And so, and these hierarchies are built into our, our physiology. So it's not just a, a mental thing. It's like a, a physical thing. Our brains like chemically work on that level. Um, and so when we say, like, okay, we, if we tell ourselves, oh, we can't compare ourselves to others at all. Um, and we have to separate ourselves from that. Then we can't function fully. And so the, the great task of Christians is the, the Lord has told us, here's a great verse that, um, that I want to share. It is in Ether chapter 12, verse 27. This is an oft-quoted verse. If you are a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you've probably heard this a lot and read it a lot. It says, And if men come unto me, I will show unto them their weakness. I give unto men weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. For if they humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And so I think sometimes we look at this and think in terms of only like our spiritual weaknesses. But I, I think it's very accurate to read that as God has given us bodies that adhere to um, the matter by which they were created or with which they were created. And so we function on the principles of 
the matter of this world. And that means that we are, we have physical desires that are antichrist or physical um, predispositions that are antichrist. And so we have to, it's not so much that we have to reject those physical predispositions. Mm-hmm. We just have to learn to control them and we have to learn to moderate them with the gospel and teachings of Jesus Christ. Yeah. And I think this hierarchy is one that is a, an interesting example where we have to be part of a hierarchy. We are always going to be part of a hierarchy. There's no other way to exist besides in a hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Um, but we have to separate our sense of value from existing in that hierarchy. Yeah. That's really tricky, though. It's super tricky because what happens is if you if you get your sense of value from that hierarchy, as soon as you uh, improve in that hierarchy, you do what Ollie did. And he like, as soon as he got on the stilts, he says, he looked down from above. He looked down his nose at the common, the plain. Yes, he smirked as he rose. So he, as soon as he ob- obtained this, New elevation status, status which yeah. isn't a bad thing right like in general we should be improving we should be improving right um, and this is a silly example right well yeah i mean he what is he improving at we don't know right he's walking Not on really. stilts but uh so we, we should be improving all the time I mean, the lord has also told us that we need to be improving and increasing our talents um but we can't get we can't draw our own personal value from our position in the hierarchy. Mm-hmm. Uh, our it, worth isn't there. Right. Our, we are all worthy children of God, if that makes sense. Like, we are, are our value, are, yeah. we are loved children of God, and our value comes from Him. Right. And He loves us, and that's where we should right. put our value. I yeah. said that circular, and that's fine. <laughs> well, it's also interesting that... Um, that the more righteous you are, right? So the yeah, so like your level of righteousness doesn't increase your value, right? And so like in the Lord's eyes, um, as far as value goes, there is no hierarchy. Yeah, that's interesting because I always thought, or I I think, and I know that He loves us all unconditionally. Like He loves me just as much as He loves you. Mm-hmm. Um, but I never thought of. Like value is it the same you think with value? Like does he value me the same as he values you? You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I like, think I think value is the same as um love. Mm-hmm. How much he loves you, how much he values you. And so he values you just as much as anybody else. So he values the most the most righteous person as much as he values the least righteous person. Mm-hmm. And so that value is the same. Now, how much he trusts you is going to change. It's going to vary based off your righteousness. Well, that makes sense. Um, but value um, is something that we have to learn to separate from hierarchy, which is um, something that you, there are a lot of people, including, I can't remember which waves of feminism critique hierarchy, not just like a, patri- like a specific hierarchy, but they critique hierarchy and all hierarchy, ge- all hierarchy. Uh, it's like mm-hmm. the postmodernists i think critique all hierarchy and so certain some wave of feminism became postmodern i don't remember uh but 
the um, there's a critique of, of hierarchies because they devalue, uh, and there that I think that is a, a legitimate critique. I think there's a whole bunch of issues with with the way that they do that and their solution. Uh, but the Lord's solution isn't to get rid of hierarchies except in the sense of personal value. Mm-hmm. And so like he tells us that we have to exist in this physical world, which means we have to deal with the, the reality of our physical nature and constantly thinking in terms of hierarchies and constantly comparing ourselves uh, for better or for worse, right? That's how our brains work. But we have to also remove our value indicator from all of those hierarchies, which means we can't think of ourselves as being more or less valuable than anybody else. So we've been talking about what we have to do with hierarchies, um, kind of on a, a high, you know, 30,000 foot, per, from the 30,000 foot perspective. But let's like talk about it in the trenches, like we were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. How do we operate in hierarchies, but stop getting our sense of value from them? Well, something that I keep coming back to in my head is um, this hierarchy, I guess you could call it, within my network of fellow artists. Uh-huh. Um, it is very obvious to me where I am in this hierarchy, I guess. Um, and, I mean... Just looking at skill level alone is like, okay, well, this is where I'm at. I'm kind of between these artists type of thing, or my style's here, or my skill level's here. Um, And I have really struggled and am still struggling with putting my value in in that. And like, oh, I don't know. I'm still working on this. But um, something that I'm coming to understand is that, you know what, people might not like what um I like to paint but I like what I like to paint Mm -hmm. and and I prayerfully do those paintings and so if Heavenly Father likes what I'm painting and I like what I'm painting yes I want to make money and yes I want to sell my art but the most important thing is that I love it and Heavenly Father loves it yeah so no I think it's good that's what I'm working on right now with that yeah, and like just like being aware. So your solution, if I understand correctly, mm-hmm. or one of your solutions is uh, be, be aware, prayerful. be aware of where you're at, and right? Be prayerful. And I, I do think it's important to kind of look and see where you're at because, for me, I have like good examples that I can aspire to. Not that I want to become these other artists, but I can say like, wow, they've incorporated these beautiful things or these beautiful. Um, like techniques and strategies, and I think that's fantastic. And um, I can be motivated to become better myself, right? Too. So it's like understanding where you're at in the hierarchy is important, but then, but then deciding to work for yourself, right? Yeah, yeah. I think that's good. I, I think one thing that I try and do that helps me a lot is I try and remove um, the sense of uh, what is vrajdiabnost. What is that word? Oh, I don't know what that is. Hostility. That's what the word is. So I try and remove hostility uh, from my relationships, I guess, in the hierarchy. Uh, and so I, 
it's easy when you're in a hierarchy at work or in school or at the gym or whatever it is to look at your people that are like on your level or maybe just below you or just above you and see them as as uh, as enemies. And not in the mm-hmm. sense like they're trying to kill you, but like they might take no, something they have, away from you. Right. That like their success means a loss for you. Right. And I understand that too in, in the sphere of the artistic creative sphere. That is definitely prevalent. Right. It's like, oh, they had a good idea. That means that that was somehow my loss, which is not the case. Right. And so you need to remove this idea that it's a zero sum game. Right. By that, I mean like if, if uh, a success for them is a failure for you or a loss right. for you. So that's, that's kind of what zero sum means. And so removing that and realizing that I am playing a game, if you will, or like I'm involved in a game that is interested in being successful across iterations. And so that I, I want to be successful over the long term. Which means that I am less interested in winning every single little conflict or or engagement or whatever it is, and so that means for me personally, being engaged or being committed to help make other people as good as possible, mm-hmm. um, and knowing that okay, that might mean that I stand out less well on a, any given project because I'm willing to take time away from working my own project to help somebody else who might be working on the same project. Uh, And this isn't always appropriate, but doing things like that um, and being committed to helping everybody that is operating in my hierarchy in a sense and like being committed to increasing the overall value of the hierarchy Mm -hmm. as opposed to just increasing my share of the hierarchy um, makes it so I'm happier. And overall, I I find it makes me more successful because it makes more people committed to helping me in the future. Yeah. No, um, I totally understand that. And something that has helped me also, I keep, I, I'm so sorry. I keep bringing it back to myself. No, you're fine. But um, you're fine. something that's helped me also is I'm a part of two different um, watercolor groups, basically. We have like... They're legit. They have, <laughs> they have parties and everything. We had one retreat in Park City. That was really fun. But um, we have like chat groups where we can ask each other questions we can congratulate each other on successes we can um, ask for help and that is a really good way also to build community and um, learn from each other and build relationships instead of always looking at each other as like a threat mm-hmm. um, either as a threat or look down on someone else for being less than or something yeah. I don't know. Yep. yeah i like that a lot and so the, what I like, about, I like what I like about both of our solutions is it doesn't um, try and say our solutions don't try and say oh like well this sh- shouldn't be a thing like we shouldn't look at hierarchies we shouldn't even care about these things because the thing is we, we do care about them like mm-hmm. we can say uh, we we can we can say that we shouldn't get our value from them all we want but the fact is like it's just it's hardwired into our brain and so we have to. We have to work with what the Lord has given us. And what I really like about that verse that I shared is the Lord has intentionally given us weaknesses. Um, and it's, he says that, um, yeah, I have, I give, unto, I give unto men weaknesses that they are weakness, that they may be humble. And my grace is sufficient for all men that humble themselves before me. So he is intentionally given us weaknesses so that we can be humble Mm -hmm. and so we can turn to him for his grace 
because it's only through his grace that we can do these things, right? right. It's not something that's easy, and he admits that. And I, what I think that means is, oh, later on he says, um, have for those that are hum, humble themselves before me and have faith in me, then will I make weak things become strong unto them. And so I think he's he's saying those weak things are going to remain weak. Like we're going to have those natural tendencies our whole lives, but he's going to help us develop strengths because of those weaknesses. And we wouldn't develop those strengths unless we had these weaknesses. Uh, and I think that's such a cool thing that he's telling us right there. Um, and when we look at it in the sense of these hierarchies, it's important to realistically deal with them. Mm-hmm. And it's super hard. And we another thing we were talking about is you exist and operate in multiple hierarchies at, at any at given time. At the same time, time. Right? yeah. Yeah, I mean, my whole world isn't this artistic community. Right. We have, like, church, family, extended family. What else? You have I mean, work. I have work. Uh, if you're involved in, like, I've, uh, like, I work out at the gym a lot. You can be in lots of different hierarchies. Um, mm-hmm. and, and some people, I, I do this a lot, like, when they improve, um, they stop looking at, everybody who's like beneath them, I guess, in that hierarchy as being part of their hierarchy. And so in your mind, you're always at the bottom of the hierarchy, which mm. which motivates you to be better, but... But you also always will feel small. You always feel small, <laughs> right? And so it's, it's... interesting. So you, it's like a drive, but it's also a, a weakness because you never you feel less than. Mm-hmm. Um, and so... So the, it's like, be proud of yourself, but don't be too prideful. But be proud of yourself. <laughs> yeah, and so it, it brings... <laughs> so tricky. It, so it brings this other interesting thing up where I think that it's dangerous to have too many hierarchies in your... To be a part of too many hierarchies um, in which you are at the bottom or near the bottom. And so it's, it's, I think it's dangerous to be in the situation because your body produces like a physical reaction to being at the bottom of the hierarchy. Like right. you, you either, whatever it is for you, however you react to it, you might be more timid, you might be more anxious, you might be more depressed, you might be more quiet or subdued or whatever it is. I think it's dangerous from a mental health perspective to be at the bottom of too many hierarchies, which means we should maybe we should take care of ourselves and make sure we're not um, trying to do too many new things at one time. Mm, that's really interesting. Which is what I deal with that all the time because I constantly am... We like to do new things. Right. As a family, we like to do new things. And I think being at the bottom of a hierarchy is good because it's it forces you to be humble and it forces you to, yeah, to be flexible sure. and to stretch and... To, to rely on the Lord. Right, and it's only with the Lord, right? I think it's significant that Ollie's sense of comfort uh, came from the Savior. Mm-hmm. And it's also important to remember that if we fully give in to the natural man and fully give in to the hierarchies of the world, the like Satan's not going to help you when you fall. Yeah. That was a part that's really stood out to me, too, is that the people on stilts didn't help him up. They didn't, they weren't kind. They just kind of didn't offer to help and they took the stilts away. And that's exactly what Satan's going to do. He's going to use you and tempt you and make you miserable. And then when you are miserable, he's not going to be there to come for you. He's going to leave you. 
He doesn't care. He doesn't love you like the Savior loves you. Right. And so many times we we see this this goal, the pinnacle of this hierarchy, um, and we're willing to compromise on our morals to get there, right? So I'm not saying that being at the top of a hierarchy is bad, right? Um, but I'm saying when, when we compromise on our morals to get there, then it's bad. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's funny that he, in this situation, is talking about stilts because he didn't have enough support. He didn't have anything to support him to stay up, and he fell. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then once he was down, no one helped him get back up. And there's a verse in Alma chapter 30 that goes along beautifully with this sentiment, says, and thus we see that the devil will not support his children at the last day, support. but doth speedily <laughs> drag them down to hell. That's really sad. So Satan's not out. He's not going to help you. And so if you compromise on your morals and you're turning your back on the Savior as you try and improve and get better, we've been commanded by the Lord to improve and get better, but if we compromise and sacrifice our morals to do that, then we lose the support of the Savior and we are relying on the support of Satan, but Which he does he's not, not going to give you. Yeah, he does not support you. And when you fall, he will not be there for you. And he tries to, you know, drag you down to hell. Although, thank goodness for the atonement of Jesus Christ. Right. Because with that and because of that, we can always turn to him even after we've fallen. Mm-hmm. Even after we've made all the bad choices and we've fallen and we're lonely because Satan's not there to pick us back up because yeah. we were following him, the Savior will always be there. And if we can turn to him, we can get back up and we can get back on track. Yeah, and I, I just love that there are so many problems in the world um, that can only be solved. Like So many, not, not just like individual, like how do I do this better type problems or how do I, how do I become a better person, but like societal problems that can only be solved with the gospel. And so looking back at all of the issues with hierarchies, right? And it's like hierarchies and, and determining value. And so we shouldn't use hierarchies to determine inherent value of life or of a person, but we need hierarchies to operate. And so how do you balance those two things? And I think it really is only possible through the principles of, of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Now, I think there are people who don't believe in Jesus Christ that can do this appropriately, but I think the principles that they use to do this and find this balance are the go- are the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ, whether or not they recognize the the author of those principles or not. And so it's the principles of the gospel of Jesus Christ that make make this possible, make it possible to you know to not compromise, but to find the middle ground, I guess, between all of the, the, the harmony. There we go. That's where I was looking for. Mm. Find the harmony between all of these seemingly conflicting principles. And that's, that's like the great test of this life, right? Like we have a physical nature that belongs to this world and we have a spiritual nature that belongs to God and God's world. Um, and trying to get those things to fit together correctly is the is the great task of this life and find that harmony. And it can only be done with Christ and the principles of Christ. Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. So everybody, um, 
go get this book if you can get it from your library or i think we checked that on amazon, amazon right? yeah it's like 17 dollars or something yeah super great book i think it was one that i don't know if the kids got the lessons like i tried my darndest lessons. to teach Hiram the lessons <laughs> but it's one of those books that i but, think we might buy this one not just yeah uh, not just have it from the library because uh the lessons are so so good yeah and i really want to look up more books from him too so, we'll yep. do that. so Max Lucado, we'll put this in the in the show notes for sure. Yeah. Um, Anything else you want to say on this book? No, I yeah, I think we covered it, and we really covered the topic a lot more than I thought we were going to. Yeah. And I liked it. Good. So should we wrap up with our loves and less? Yes. Loves? Well, you want me to go first? You want me to go first? I talked a lot, so why don't you go first? I will go first. I have a love, and I love to watch you dance. Mm. I actually have two loves. Yes, I love to watch you dance because we've been dancing a lot as a family. And Andrew's got some moves, you guys. He's good at the, what's that, shuffle dance? Shuffling. Shuffle dance. The dubstep shuffle dance? Uh, I did hardcore shuffle. That's what it's called. Okay. Yeah. It's really cool. Yep. Yeah. I, I, it's really fast and i'm like how the heck do you have that much energy it's tiring it is it, is a it looks tiring like way to dance yeah you're just like bopping around it's like if your you, legs are like yeah if you yeah. saw the um what is that song is it party house rock i think that's what i don't it know is from like when we were in high school mm, okay i don't know um you can sing it if you want dun, dun, i don't know okay, <laughs> okay. um well they say I can't sing. Everybody shuffling. That song. So if you've ever seen the music video, it's that, but more intense than what they do. Because they just do like the kind of the real basic. Uh-huh. And there's like lots of like steps you can add into it. And that's what I I did that in high school. Yeah. Um Well he he's showed me and it's very cool. I didn't have enough of a booty to do like hip hop type dancing. <laughs> but you have legs to do. Yeah, I have, like, I have long legs. quick so feet. Could, yeah, so. so I could do that kind of stuff. That's what I do. Very cool. My second love, though, is... Um, Chocolate? Oh, I thought you were going to guess it. Chuck. <laughs> oh, Chuck. <laughs> the show Chuck. Oh, my gosh. We're addicted. So addicted. Oh, my gosh. It's a good one. It's it is, a good one. And it is extremely inaccurate. Right. It's like a cheesy... Have we talked about this on the show? No. Okay. Well, it's like a cheesy CIA-type show, and it's... It's dorky, but it's good. Yeah, nothing's accurate about it, but it's it's funny enough that I'm totally fine with it. I'm usually a stickler when it comes oh, to like accuracies and stuff. When it comes to like uh, anything with guns or like national security or military type shows, I'm really picky. Mm-hmm. But this one's funny enough that I don't even care that it's ridiculous. Although you mention it all the time, I do. I'm like, that's not that's right. not right. That's not right. That's not right. That's like, not right. They don't say that. But, that gun does not make that noise. Yeah. You say that all the time. Yeah. But it's funny. It's a really good show. So yeah. you should look it up. Or it's like, why is it and it's so many times? It is pretty clean. You have, there's like random like bikini shots. Yeah. Like lingerie type shots. And just be ready to, to yeah. fast forward or watch it with VidAngel. Um, but I just don't get... This is my last thing about this show. About all shows. Like, like I don't get why people like will go into a, a situation where they know they're likely going to have to shoot someone or use their gun. Um, and so they've like broken into a house or or whatever it is, and they don't have 
a bullet or a round in the chamber. Chambered. Yeah, and so they come in, and then they're like, "Now I'm serious." Like, You're like you why? should have been serious five minutes ago. Yeah, like why wouldn't like, if you're breaking into this house to use your gun? Why wouldn't you have a round in the chamber? Right? Like, yeah. I don't why? Know. Why in the even world? I know that. Yeah, it's like this is like asinine, right? Yeah, it's so dumb. Anyway, or like the the girl who's like a twig is like fighting off ten men at the same time. Yeah, it's like. That's cool, Chica, but like the law of physics say you can't make his body do that by punching him. But how she just will like kill everyone? It's like, wow. Yeah. That's cool. It's like, so need- it's very it's very dorky. It's completely inaccurate, but it's funny. Yeah. So Anyways, I have a, I have a less your, than love. You have a less I, than love. I, um, it kind of goes back to the hierarchy thing. I less than love being like the smallest guy in my uh, gym group. Mm. And so like in the, the group of guys that I go to the gym with on a regular basis... You go with I'm, all the beefies. I, for some reason, the time I go is like when all the coaches at the gym work out, mm-hmm. and so I'm I'm the smallest guy, uh, and it's it's just frustrating because I'm like always trying to catch up to them, uh, and I have to like constantly tell myself like I am like fighting my own fight, and I have to like be focused on myself. Sing and your own be, song. Yeah, sing your own song, and I have to do all of these things that we're talking about. Yeah. every time and it's super hard because i i'm usually like a very talkative guy and outgoing but i feel like subdued when i'm there because i'm the bottom right i'm the bottom of that of that hierarchy and so i'm less outgoing and i'm less loud and I'm less fun and i don't like that um but it's mm-hmm. hard because I, I like the benefits of it and i feel myself getting better because i'm at the bottom of the hierarchy and i feel really really driven and so i might put in more effort than other people there that are bigger than me just because I, I feel like that extra extra drive where if I was if there was somebody who was smaller than me I might be able to look at them and be like oh well like I'm better than that guy right yeah why don't you just go to a different time um that's just the time that works out and actually I enjoy working out with that group because again I I've gotten a lot stronger you're pushing yourself harder yeah because yeah. I'm like it's I'm more likely to say oh well he like let's just i'll try this weight because it's already racked right so it's already on the rack i'll just try try, like try here and so i end up like increasing my uh, overall like my overall weight but um, i don't really see the the real gains with that because there's no one who's like below me Mm -hmm. right and like there are some women who come to the same class but like I hate to break this to you people if you're bad about this, but men are naturally stronger than women, especially upper body. And so like I'm always significantly strong like my weight's significantly higher than the, the women's weight, but like I can't compare myself to them because we are starting on you're totally different levels. Completely different. Yeah. Right. It's a separate hierarchy, right? Yeah. Um and that's not to say sometimes there are women who have... This is like a totally... This is a diatribe. I don't care about just talking about this. But <laughs> I, I don't like being You don't being like there, feeling like... But I kind of like it too. Like, okay. But it's it's very difficult for me. So I'm not... I'm, I wanted that, to use that one to show that while we're talking about hierarchies and how to, how to balance them correctly and how to use the gospel of Jesus Christ to exist in them and to not find your value in them, I super struggle with this when it comes to... When it comes to the gym, right? <laughs> um, so I, I, I totally get the, the struggle, and I'm, I'm still working on this. Oh, yeah. We all are. So, so I hope okay. there's somebody still listening 
There is somebody still listening. Hopefully someone made it to the end. Hello, hello. <laughs> Nonsense. Okay, guys, thank you so much for being with us. And we are, we just love doing this podcast with you. And we're grateful for you listening and for you sharing with your friends. And um, if you've loved what you're hearing on this episode or any other episodes, we would really, really appreciate you leaving us a good review and uh, rating the podcast, sharing it on your stories on Instagram. And yeah. Yep. Make sure to check out next week's episode. Uh, it is with one of my childhood heroes. Oh my gosh, that's right. That's it. Yes! That's all I'm saying. One of my childhood heroes. If you're not in, if you're not a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, you've probably never heard of him. I guess he's actually done a lot of stuff for. I'm not saying you can tune in. Yeah. This is very exciting. Yeah. It was yeah. such a cool conversation. Yeah. This was so fun. It was like a like a dream come true. Oh, it really was. It was like it was like make a wish. Yeah, it was so cool. It was <laughs> Anyways, so cool. okay. Well, uh, we'll catch you next week. We love you guys. Bye. Keep the faith.